Well, it's wonderful to be able to come into your homes again today. It's wonderful that we can gather and uh, I can preach. I can share the Word of God with you and uh, encourage you in that, I hope, and challenge you at times. Uh, but for you, really, whether it's through this music and worship that we've experienced and I hope you've participated in uh, by song, uh, and then through the preaching of Scripture that you really will sense God's nearness to you, His presence in your life, and that He'll touch you really deeply by His Holy Spirit. Just before I begin, um, I want to uh, thank a couple of guys who've worked really hard to produce these uh, services for us all. Steve Owen and G James Heidinga have worked really hard, and uh, we're very thankful for them. And it's great to see what they have done and to be able to benefit from what they have done. So thank you to, those, to both of those men. I also want to take a minute and uh, just uh, to pray. We've had a lot of real challenges in our country as of late. Uh, of course, COVID-19 and, and all that's involved. The shooting in Nova Scotia this week, uh, that horrendous act of, of evil, and there are people there that need prayer. And I want to bring the first responders before God as well, people who are struggling and working hard, uh, sacrificially giving themselves to, to beat this pandemic. So if we could take a minute before we begin. Uh, I, I'd like us to pray together, so let's do that now. Gracious God, we come to you and um, we know that you're a sovereign God and that you're in control. And we know that you're good. And our God, we know that you're with us right now and that we can trust you even in this circumstance. <clears throat> but our Father, our prayer uh, comes today for some significant needs in this world of ours. Uh, we think of those, uh, our God, who are struggling with COVID-19, whether being afraid of catching it or whether having it and struggling through illness. Lord, we think of the people who have been bereaved. Uh, Lord, for all of those people who find themselves in this unique circumstance, but find themselves struggling, we pray today. Give people your, your peace, Lord. Give them an, a sense of assurance that you are with them. Uh, give your people, Lord, the faith that they need to take them through this uh, and a peace in their lives that will surpass understanding, as Scripture says. So be with people, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would defeat this pandemic, that by your power and your strength, this virus will soon be gone and that we will be free of it. We just ask you to work in that way, Lord, even through the people who are working so hard to overcome it now. Lord, we, we would think of um, also the people of Nova Scotia, people who uh, in that province have just been shocked and, and, and grieved this week by a senseless uh, shooting that has taken the lives of so many people. Our God, our prayers are with those people. We pray that you would be with them and that you would allow them somehow to know your comfort again and somehow be able to make sense of this and to move forward in it. Lord, those people need you. We as a country need you after such a, a horrific act. And we pray that you'll help us in this also. Lord, we come now to your word again, this incredible book that you have inspired and given to us that we might know your mind and your heart, your truth. Um, unpack it for us now, Lord. Speak to us from it that we might hear from you again and that as your people, Lord, we might form our lives around its truth, that we might form our lives by faith based on what it says. So speak to us now, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I began speaking over the Easter weekend about something called the kingdom of heaven. 
as some of you, of course, will know. Jesus came, uh, he told us prior to his death, and resurrection, of course, and he said that the kingdom of heaven was here. It had come in him. He came as a king, and he invited people to live under his rule and his reign. And I've been thinking this week, how can I illustrate this? How can I help people think a little more deeply or understand more fully what this really is all about, this kingdom of heaven? And I thought maybe I could use a couple of other kingdoms to illustrate it. And I thought of Jesus growing up as a young boy and then into adulthood. He lived in a kingdom. It wasn't referenced that very often, but it was the kingdom of Rome. It had a king. Uh, his name was Caesar. And Caesars came and went, usually through violent means, often. But they were in control. They were the one who had power. This kingdom was a kingdom of power. And they, they exercised the power of the kingdom of Rome through violence. Of course, their vast armies would conquer and they would oppress a people. Uh, and this was the instance of the reality of, of, of Jesus and the people of God in that day. They were oppressed and life was difficult for them in the kingdom of Rome under the power of Caesar and, and his wish and, and his will. And it was, you know, there were many, many times uh, where revolutions or revolts would rise up and they would be squashed by the Roman army. People just wanting to be free, people wanting to live differently. People wanting to have a good life. I thought more recently, maybe in the 20th century of another kingdom, and I've thought of communist Russia, part of the USSR. Now, they too had a king, although they didn't refer to the president of Russia as a king. They were supposed to be governed by the, the Politburo, the representatives of the people, but essentially power fell to one individual. Stalin early on, that man who killed more than 30 million people. But he had incredible power, and he was ready to use violence to enforce his will. And then later on, a man like Khrushchev, and there were numerous people who rose to power, and they led the nation as king. And they implemented their ideology of communism. And that determined how people lived. There were no real rights or freedoms then, as there are in Canada today. If you disagreed with the political ruling class, you would be shift, shipped off to some gulag in Siberia or otherwise. Uh, there was no property ownership uh, for any individual. Uh, the state was all important, not the individual. And you couldn't own property. You couldn't own a business. Everybody was given a place to live. Everybody was given a job. But there was no opportunity for advancement work hard and, and, and make your way forward in life. And as a result, ultimately, this led to uh, people living in despair, uh, particularly as that uh, kingdom declined and, of course, failed in the end. Um, two different kingdoms ruled by different kings, but had a dramatic impact on how people lived, what their experience of life was. Now, think of Jesus in that light coming to say, I have brought a new kingdom to this earth, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I, I want you to live under the rule and reign of God. I want to come into this world and I want to teach you and I want to show you what that looks like. And I want you to discover the, the distinctiveness of that rule and of that reign. Of course, everything centers around the fact that God is king, that, that it is his will that is prominent, that it is his way that is to be implemented and lived, a way of love and of grace and of peace and of joy and of humility, not power over and domination and oppression, not at all. 
And Jesus said then to people, and he says to people still in our generation, you know, you're welcome to come in. I invite you into this kingdom. I invite you into this rule and reign of God, into this new reality that I have brought to the world. And in this, this reign and in, in this kingdom, you can live a remarkably different life because you're part of something new, part of something good, part of something that God has created. And what I'd like to do over the next few weeks is to talk to you about what life in the kingdom really looks like, what we're called to, the distinctiveness of life in the kingdom of God. I'm going to reference some passages from the Sermon on the Mount, it's called, Matthew 5 to 7. Jesus is pointedly and clearly teaching about what life in the kingdom looks like. It's different, it's dramatic, it's, it's uh, uh, completely contrary to what I think anybody else has ever thought. But we need to find out what this is because as we are called into the kingdom, as many of us are, as we have entered into the kingdom by faith in Jesus, we need to know what this rule of God looks like and what he wants for us and what his will is and what his way is because it's distinct. Now, just before I jump into the passage that we're going to look at today, I want to say this to you. Often when people hear about this teaching of Jesus, often when they hear about the way of the kingdom, when, when, when they hear about this new reality and what it means for how we might actually live together, live in relationship with God and with one another, many people just think it's completely unrealistic. Dallas Willard uh, describes that perspective held even by Christian people very often as fanciful. They're nice ideas. They're, I they're ideals that are beautiful and wonderful to contemplate, but nobody, nobody can actually live like this, can they? Well, title for this sermon series is Jesus, You've Got to Be Kidding Me Because of This Reality. Things that I'm going to speak to you from Scripture are going to seem a little out there. And you might even wonder, is this a possibility? that people actually live this way? And I'm going to suggest to you that what Jesus was calling us to, what he was teaching, what he wants from us, is something that's real. It's something that's different, yes, because we're part of a different kingdom now. But it's really possible for us to embrace this if we choose. So there's the challenge, and that's where we're headed. We're going to begin today by looking at Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 34. In this context, uh, Jesus is, has called several of his disciples, not all of them yet, but several of his disciples to follow him. This is early on in his ministry. It's the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, not the end. Uh, and they're entering into something new, and they have very recently chosen to follow Jesus. Um, but they're worried. They're really concerned because they don't have a knowledge of where they're going to find food and drink and clothing three things that are essential for their well-being, three things that are essential for them actually to live. They have to eat, they have to drink, and they need this, this cloak, this clothing that, that is sometimes referred to in the New Testament, very hot during the day in, in that desert-like climate. So you would need the drink for sure, the water, but also you would need a cloak at night because it became very cold at night, and this was an essential thing for these folks. Now, these men who have been called to follow Jesus have been fishermen up until this point. For all of their adult life, they have worked hard earning a living so that they would have some money to buy food and drink and clothing. But as they're following Jesus, they begin to think, well, we're not earning a living here. We're not making money. 
where is it going to come from? And they became really concerned. They became really worried as Jesus described it. So let me read to you in, in uh, some sections, uh, one at a time, these verses. Let's read 25 to 27, first of all. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Now, what we're seeing here is the emergence of, of a theme that Jesus is going to teach through this passage. And it's really very simple. What he's going to be telling these people, what he is telling them in these verses is, there is absolutely no need for you to worry about what you will eat and about what you will drink and about what you will wear. It's just not something in the kingdom of God that you need to have any concern over whatsoever because you have a God who, who loves you and who, who will provide for you. If he provides for the birds of the air, he's going to provide for you, isn't he? 28 to 30 says this, Matthew 6. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more uh, will he not, sorry, uh, much more clothe you? you of little faith. Now, um, here again, same point. God clothes the flowers of the field. God actively provides for them. and We'll talk about that in a minute. But if God takes care of flowers in a field and, and he cares way more for you, why would you worry about where your food's going to come from or, 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 your, or your drink or your clothing, which is the instance here. Let's carry on, 31 and 32. Now here Jesus starts to contrast the kingdom of heaven with another kingdom. He says this in 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Listen to me. For the pagans run after all these things but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, what's Jesus referencing here? Well, what he is saying is there is a different kingdom that some people are part of. Pagans were non-believers, people who did not follow Jesus in this instance. And we've spoken earlier about the kingdom of darkness. I noticed this week in Luke chapter 11, Jesus called it the kingdom of Satan. Um, and, and there are people who dwell in that reality that's, that's the reality in which they live. Um, and, and they do run after these things, Jesus says. Another translation, it says, says it, it dominates their thinking. They're worried and, and they're focused upon this and they're intent on securing these things for their well-being. The message version says that they are preoccupied with getting them. It's just the focus of their lives. And you know what? It makes sense in a different kingdom to be worried. Because if God's not there with you, or at least you're not aware of him being there, and if God is not your father, as this 
passage teaches. And if God doesn't love you, and if God hasn't promised to provide for you, well, you have reason to be worried. <laughs> you know, you, ha you have reason to be concerned about where are all these things going to come from that I need for my well-being, for my life. But Jesus' point is this. You are in a kingdom with a God who loves you and who has promised to provide for you. This is the new reality. You're part of this thing that I have created and you've become a child of God and he has given himself to giving you what you need. He will not stand back and leave you without. So Jesus' point is really simple. Why would you worry? And he asked that question several times. Why worry? Because he's instructing people how to live in a new realm. How to live with a new reality of God being part of their lives. And a God who is there who will provide what they need because he loves them. Let's go to verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Now that's a powerful verse uh, for us to sit back and think about a little bit. It's a key principle of kingdom living. It's how to live within this new reality that Jesus has established and we who trust in Jesus have entered into. He says, seek first the kingdom, not the kingdom of God in the original language or the kingdom of heaven, just seek the kingdom and seek his righteousness, God's righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Jesus is saying, Instead of being preoccupied with your need and what you don't have and being worried about it, get preoccupied with these two priorities. Let these two priorities dominate your thinking, your life. And if, if you will do that, as you do that, as you turn away from need and you turn away from worry and trust God to provide fully and completely and wholly and give yourselves to this kind of living, you're going to see your God step in and you're going to get the food and the drink and the clothing that you need because he loves you and he's going to give it to you. And he wants you to focus there, seek his kingdom, seek his righteousness so that he can provide here. Now, I got to tell you, this, this really is quite a dramatic teaching. What Jesus is saying is that in my kingdom, worry makes no sense. In my kingdom, Worry, worrying does not belong. It just doesn't fit. It's not, it, it's not to be part of your experience. Right? Because there's no reason for you to worry. Before I go on and explain to you what focusing our minds and our hearts on the kingdom and in God's righteousness are, let me just stop and ask, uh, is there anything you're worried, worried about today? I mean, what weighs heavily on your heart? Where has your attention gone that causes you to be anxious, fearful, worried? Uh, I know right now there are a lot of people who are exactly in the position that these disciples were in. They didn't have a job anymore. They had chosen to walk away from it. Um, maybe in this instance, we don't know, but were they second-guessing that decision? I don't know. But they certainly were in a place where they couldn't provide for themselves. They couldn't buy food, drink, or clothing. And they're wondering, how on earth are we going to get it? And there are a lot of people right now, because of this pandemic, who have 
been laid off or who have lost their jobs. And you very may, may well be wondering, where is the money going to come from? And the government's providing some now, but is that going to last forever? Can I put food on the table? Can I pay the mortgage? Can I pay the rent? Will I have a job such as I have known for many years, or is it gone? I mean, we have reason right now to be worrying. Many, many people. And it, and it, and it could be something that you get preoccupied with, that, that, that dominates your thinking. It's a possibility. What about the possibility of, or the reality, I suppose, of, of, of folks who um, are worried about getting sick? It's just there. We're all staying home so that it doesn't happen. I don't know whether you're worried about it or not. Some people might be, some less so. But I'm sure some are struggling with the possibility, maybe particularly older folks, maybe people with these preconditions that we hear about, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, man, if I got that, I'd be in trouble. And it's, it's, it's just there. And it's something that's weighing on you, something you're worried about. You know, beyond that reality, there are people in our church who are really pretty sick, serious life-threatening illnesses. And there may be others who are watching this beyond our congregation, same, same reality. It's possible. We can choose, if we wish, to let that dominate our thinking and to worry about it. You know, to let it be our preoccupation, to focus ourselves upon it so much that it just... It just weighs on our lives and, and, and makes life hard as we live in the fear of what might happen. You know, I, I know folks who uh, right now are in a situation where they are thinking about school in the fall. It's like, what school am I going to get into? This is a big decision. This is going to determine the course of my life. Will I get to be where I want or will I not? And what choice should I make? It's like, wow. <laughs> this, this is huge. You can let that weigh on you. You can let that dominate your thinking and you can worry till you are sick, as they say. How are you going to pay for that school when you get there? I mean, there is a world of things to worry about if you choose to worry about them. I want to tell you, my friends, if uh, we honestly believe we are alone, and that we have to fend for ourselves, we've got reason to worry. And we will worry. It will it'll be a significant part of our experience. But you know what? If we believe in the kingdom of God, if we believe in a new reality that we have entered into, if we're really willing to look at what that reality is and what the existence is, that we, the dynamic that exists because God is there, and God loves us. It'll change our hearts, our minds. And worry, Jesus says, will not be a necessity. We won't do it. Now listen, let's go back to the question of what does it mean? Moving in that direction, what does it mean to seek the kingdom and his, God's, righteousness? First of all, let's talk about the kingdom. The message version puts it like this. Um, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. That's good. Turn away from all the concerns and all the worries and all of those things which could cause you to be fearful and anxious. Turn away from them. Leave them to God. He'll take care of them, literally. 
You can, you can walk away from those worries and give your entire attention to God and his kingdom, what he's accomplishing, what's happening in this realm, in this moment. You know, we, we can begin by simply trying to understand the kingdom. Seek it. Seek an understanding of what this is, this reality where God is king and he calls us to his way and, and, and his, to, to fulfill his will, to accomplish his will, to give ourselves to that, to be preoccupied with that, to let that dominate our thinking as he takes care of our needs. You know, and what Jesus is essentially doing in this text that we have read this far is teaching people, uh, giving people an understanding of what that kingdom dynamic is. Three times he, 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 he describes in this text to these disciples that they have a loving Father who is with them and who is aware of their need and who will provide for their need. Now, note this. The first time people in this religious context, the Jewish context, called God Father, it was Jesus at the beginning of chapter 6, or shortly after the beginning of chapter 6, where he teaches them how to pray, these disciples, and he said, Our Father in heaven. And this, would, this would have blown people's minds, because no one referred to God as Father. No one thought of God as, as uh, like in that context, this, this dad who is with us, who has a deep affection for us, and who is present to us and absolutely loves us. Not how they thought of God. God was a seer and far off and too great to be even referenced as a father. But Jesus is bringing a new teaching. He's beginning to describe the reality of life in the kingdom. And he said, you've got a, you've got a dad who loves you. And he's saying to his people, don't forget about that. This is real. This is life in the kingdom. Understand that he's there and that he will provide for you. And what Jesus is saying is, Essentially, as you do that, worry can go away as you give your attention to other things because you are totally and fully convinced that your dad has got it and that he's going to take care of it. <laughs> you know, you go to this, this reality of, of, of the birds and the fields uh, and, and the flowers of the field. Jesus says that God feeds the birds of the air. Do you believe that? Is that just Jesus being fanciful and somehow poetic? God feeds the birds of the air. Or is Jesus actually meaning that? Uh, somebody sent me an email this week, and it's U.S. statistics. Often that's what we have to deal with, isn't it? But it says that every day, 13.7 million birds die. Jesus says elsewhere that not one bird falls to the ground except that the Father knows it. Do you believe that? Is that the reality of the kingdom? That somehow God has this vast capacity to care for a little bird as its life ends? Never mind 13.7 million in the United States every day. How many million across the world are there? How many billions of birds exist that God feeds? Jesus is saying, God feeds them. It, it's intentional, it's purposeful, it's his action that provides for them. Fanciful or real? <laughs> you know, Jesus is saying, it's real. That's the God you have. He cares even for little animals. How much more does he care for you? 
He's trying to make impact in the minds of these people. Stop worrying. Why would you worry if that kind of God you, you now call dad, father? And he talks about the flowers of the field. Um, and God dresses them better than Solomon, the great king of Israel, was dressed. Fanciful talk. Poetic language to somehow make a point. Or is this the reality in the kingdom, my friends? Is this the truth that we embrace? Is this part of the dynamic understanding of what the kingdom of God is? That every flower that grows, God, by his creative power, allows that plant to find life. And he causes the plant to grow. And he causes the plant to produce a beautiful blossom. And that what we see in that flower is the creative act of God for us to enjoy It's a blessing to us, a gift which God has given. Jesus is saying that's the reality. If you're in the kingdom, that's what we believe here. And he invites people to believe it, but again, his point is pretty simple. If God can do that, and if God does that with the billions of flowers that grow in in the world every year, he cares that much. Like, don't you think he cares about you? And don't you think that because he loves you to the extent that he does, that he'll provide for you your food and your drink and your clothing. See, Jesus is challenging people. (laughs) He's, He's challenging people to actually believe the reality of what life in the kingdom actually is. But you know, you know what, what happens? Many, many people, even people who are already in the kingdom of God, act like the pagans. That's what these disciples are doing. They're in the kingdom. It's clear. It's what Jesus is teaching. And Jesus says, don't act like people who aren't in the kingdom. Don't act like people who don't have a dad that they've come into a relationship with them, who loves them and is present to them and who will provide for them. Don't act like like you're alone because you're not. Wake up to the kingdom reality and, and believe it. With all of your heart, believe it. He's saying, your God is with you. Your God is powerful and your God is present and he has promised and he will act in your life whatever your need, and take care of you. So it's almost like Jesus coming along and saying, don't give that a second thought. Let it go. Don't worry about it. Literally. You don't have to. Why would you bother? Instead, focus on this kingdom that you've become a part of, this realm where God is king. What does it mean that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven? What does it mean (laughs) That he has a way that's different. Dig into scripture. Discover in greater and greater and greater measure how to live in the kingdom. Then build the kingdom of God. These disciples are later going to be sent out to, to tell everybody about the kingdom, to tell everybody about Jesus, the son who has come, to, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to exercise the power of God, to call people into the kingdom. <laughs> Seek that reality. Enter into that reality. Participate in that reality. Jesus is saying, let that be your preoccupation. Let that dominate your thinking. Give yourself fully and wholeheartedly to that reality. Let God worry about your need. And he's being serious. 
It's just a logical thing to do. Why wouldn't you? Says Jesus. Well, the next thing, second thing that uh, we're, we're called to is to seek his, God's, righteousness. Now, what's that? Well, very simply, and this is biblical definition, righteousness is morally right behavior. That's really very simple. Morally right behavior. I think in this day of, of Christianity, that this might surprise some people a little bit. Fifty years ago, it was all about morally right behavior, and now it seems it's all about grace, and we've forgotten about morally right behavior. But Jesus says, seek that for your life. This is how we are to live within the kingdom. Morally right behavior. Now, essentially what that is is the opposite of sin. And I'm going to read to you 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. It says this. It's, it's a quote from the Old Testament. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. Those who live morally righteously. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You hear the contrast? Uh, Jesus makes it clear time after time after time that, you know, he came not to, not to save the righteous, but the sinner. Not to seek the, the righteous, but the sinner, the, the people who really need God, who haven't found a better way of living, who haven't been able to break free from the power of sin and enter in fully to a new life. A transformed life that brings incredible blessing that they might know the love of God. This is all rooted in the idea that in the Bible, over and over and over again, God is described as righteous. God is right and good in all that he does because he always acts out of his character, a righteous character. It's wired into his nature. He's a righteous God. And what we're being taught here is that we are to be righteous as well. Now, got to be really clear in this. It's not through righteousness that we get into the kingdom of God, our moral behavior, that we get into the kingdom of God. The people to whom Jesus is speaking are already in the kingdom of God. There's no question about that. We enter into the kingdom of God by faith in Jesus. That's it. We believe in him. None of us live righteously enough to get there on our own. And we need to be forgiven for our sin. And we need to um, uh, come to Jesus and find the acceptance of God in him by believing in Christ and what he did on the cross and in his resurrection. The Bible says that when we come to that place of faith, that the righteousness of Christ, and here's the theological word for the day, is imputed to us. It's, it's, it's placed upon us by God. So that when God the Father looks at the, his children who are in Christ, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. That is an amazing thing if you actually believe it. It's part of the kingdom reality, right? And I hope that you do. But having said that, <laughs> the truth is, the reality is, once we're in the kingdom, we're to seek God's righteousness for our lives. Um, it's, it's how we are to live. We're to pursue the experience of righteousness, to act out the state of righteousness that we've been given. point is really, really simple. God cares about how we live. I don't know if you've thought a lot about that, but I would implore you to. Because when we get into this kingdom, we're called to live like the king. We're called to live in a way that's appropriate to the kingdom reality that we've become a part of. 
I, I was just uh, thinking of Colossians 3, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 10. And I want you to, at the, the first of this reading, notice where we're to set our minds, what we're to think about. Think again about um, seeking and, 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 and being preoccupied with, if you would, and letting these things dominate our, our minds. Listen to the, this, Colossians 3, 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Oh my goodness, isn't that amazing? Then these words. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways. Uh, in the life you once lived in a different kingdom, can I throw that in there? You used to live, walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves, yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the, its creator. That's an amazing thing, a remarkable thing that, that God calls us to. It's the sort of thing, my friends, that we must sit back and give serious consideration to as we consider what it is that the Lord wants for us time and time again. You see, what Jesus is saying is, God wants you to live righteously, my people. You who have entered into a relationship with this righteous God, you have, who have entered into this realm where that righteous God reigns and rules, he wants you to live well before him. He wants you to live well in relationship to one another. So we're to put away the, the, the things that the Bible defines as sinful and wrong. It's not of God. It's not his will in the least. And Jesus says, seek that. Pursue that. Let that dominate your thinking. Let that be your preoc preoccupation. Not the worries the, of the world. Not the things that you need. God doesn't want you focused there. Let it go. Focus on the kingdom. Understanding it, building it, praying for it, helping people enter into it, seeing the will of God done in the world as it is in heaven as the Lord's Prayer says. Seek that kingdom. Pursue it. And seek the righteousness of God in your life. And as you do that, Jesus is instructing us. You won't need to worry about a thing. Not at all. Some people think that's fanciful. Some people think that's not a possibility that I would never worry about anything. I want to suggest to you today, my friends, essentially what's going on in this is Jesus is challenging us today to, to, to think clearly about what we actually believe. And he's asking us to think, do you really understand and know and believe in the depth of your being that whatever your needs might be, whether it, might, whether it be now or in a year from now or 10 years from now, your God is on it and he will take care of it because he loves you. I would suggest the more you're worried at the moment today, the less you believe that reality. The less you're worried today, the more you believe it. 
And what Jesus is saying to everybody is, come on into the kingdom and understanding of the kingdom. See it, understand it, and actually believe that you're living as part of a new reality in which God loves you and will provide for you and take care of all your needs to the extent that it says in Matthew chapter 6, and I've closed my Bible, but verse 34, listen to this. says this, Jesus speaking, therefore, critical word, based on everything that I've just told you, as a result of, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself each day as enough troubles of its own. Do you hear Jesus being pretty unequivocal? He's saying, give up on worry. Let it go. Stop it. It's not part of the kingdom reality that you are now a part of. We're going to conclude our time together today with some silent prayer as we often do here together when we are together on a Sunday morning. And what I'd like you to do are just a very few things. Number one, I want you in silence to identify what you're worried about right now. Some of you might be worried about a lot, and it's easy. Oh, I know what I'm stressed over and where I'm anxious and what I'm afraid of. Identify it. Some of you might be less so, but whatever that is, um, figure it out. And then I want you to talk to the Lord about it, just quietly in prayer. Tell him, this is my concern. This is where I'm worried right now. And then, what I'd like you to do is essentially to leave the worry for him to take care of. Give it to him. Say, Lord, I've heard your word preached. I've heard the teaching of Jesus. I'm part of a new reality. I want you to take over. I want you to take this. I want you to provide. Because, and this is the next part, I am committing myself right now to seeking your kingdom. What that means and how to live in it fully. And I'm going to commit myself to seeking your righteousness for my life. And, and ask the Lord to help you in both of those endeavors, both of those pursuits. He will. Here's what I want to suggest based on the authority of Scripture, the truth of the Word of God. You do that today, two things will happen in your life. Number one, you will see God act for you. You will see in remarkable ways beautiful ways, surprising ways, God stepping into your life and providing for you what you need. And you'll be able to stand back and go, wow, that's amazing. Um, if you've never lived it, I hope you'll start because it's part of kingdom living. And as that happens, you know what's going to happen also in your life? Your worry will start to evaporate. It'll dissipate. It'll go away because you will come to believe deep in your heart that you've got a dad who loves you and a dad who is committed to taking care of you. So let's go to prayer. And uh, just each of you in, in the place that you find yourself, just bow your heads and let's just pray. First of all, identify the worry and give it to the Lord. Give it away. Commit yourself secondly then to focusing on seeking the kingdom and the righteousness of God. I'll finish up in a minute.
Lord Jesus, your teaching is very real and very realistic in spite of what some might say. That we don't have to worry about what we need. And Lord, I want to pray for your people today who are listening to this. I, I would pray with all of my heart that they would really start to believe these things. And I pray, Lord, as they have identified worry to you and given it to you, that you will step in and that you will prove your reality by meeting their need. As they give themselves to seeking your kingdom, understanding what that means, building your kingdom, praying for it to become a reality, and seeking right, your righteousness in their lives. Lord, I pray that you will lead them in both of those endeavors, that you will show them what it means to be part of this thing that you, Lord Jesus, have called the kingdom of heaven. Lord, it's an amazing thing, an amazing thing to know that our Heavenly Father loves us. And as He's aware of birds and flowers, He's incredibly aware of us. And I just thank you again for every person listening. I thank you that you love them more than they know that you're aware of their needs, that you're prepared to provide for their needs. And I pray, Lord, that we as your people here, connected to this church, we who are IPC, Lord, that we will be people who will live according to the reality that you have revealed to us, that you have invited us into. We'll not be like those who don't have faith, worried and running around desperately trying to take hold of what we need. Lord, help us to live in this new reality. Help us to trust you with all of our hearts for the things that we need. Lord, in this is incredible blessing. We would all love to know what it means to not worry anymore. We believe this is possible. And we pray that you will lead us to this reality. Teach us what is true of the kingdom so that we might be people who are worry-free, anxiety-free, fear-free, because you are our God and you love us. And you have committed yourself as a God of love to uh, care for us. So Lord, thank you for this passage. Thank you for this time we've been able to share together. Thank you that you are who you are. Thank you that we have been called into your kingdom. We are yours. Lord, help us to live in the reality of what is according to your word. And this, our God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for uh, spending time with us today. I, I really do pray that you've been blessed and, and you've sensed God speaking into your life and you've been encouraged uh, in, in significant ways and challenged in good ways as well. Uh, as we conclude here today, I just, I just want to bless you in the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in his love. Go in the knowledge of his heart for you. And live for him in all you do. Seek his kingdom. Seek his righteousness. And ultimately know his blessing in your life.